Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. <clears throat> um, for those of you who are watching on uh, our website or via Facebook, good morning to you guys as well. And this is definitely strange. This is definitely a uh, very, very different thing than we've ever had before. Uh, but we're going to try to soldier through it, and we're going to be faithful to the scriptures, and uh, just continue to move on through, and and uh, hopefully be a hopefully it'll be a blessing for everybody, and um, we'll keep it we'll try to keep it short and sweet too. <laughs> so let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and <clears throat> we're so grateful, we're so thankful, Lord, for your provision, for your love and your grace and your mercy towards us, Father, uh, and we ask, Lord God, that you would be with all of our families and all of our friends and all the people around the world, Father, who are uh, suffering through this um, coronavirus, uh, Lord. And um, for, for every person who's, who's uh, just fine, Lord, there's, there's somebody out there uh, who maybe isn't or who knows somebody who isn't, Lord. And we want to be compassionate towards those people, Father, who are hurting and, uh, and sick and maybe who have lost loved ones. And we pray, Father, that you would give us hearts to minister during this time. Uh, and that would be um, always our, our goal, Lord, to serve you through serving others. Um, Father, we pray that you would bless our service this morning. We pray that you would strengthen us and equip us through your word, that you'd have your way in our lives. Lord, help us to not be fearful or be afraid, but to trust in you, Father, for everything in our lives, Lord. Everything that we need is found in our relationship with you. Uh, Lord, and, and stems and flows through that. So we ask and pray that you would establish us this morning, Lord, in, in that faith and strengthen us and gird us up, Lord. Have, our, have your way in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So <clears throat> we are in the book of Numbers, chapter 15. Uh, shifting gears here just a little bit um, as we follow the children of Israel on their way from Egypt to the promised land. Um, of course, you know, the exact same thing that, that we've been talking about every single week uh, holds true, that God had planned on rescuing his people and bringing them to the promised land for hundreds and hundreds of years. Going back to Abraham, uh, he told Abraham that he was going to bring the people out and he was going to bring them to a promised land, the same one that he had promised Abraham, and he was going to establish them there. And of course, now uh, the time has come, and they've been um, liberated from the land of Egypt through God's mighty hand and miracles and plagues and all the things that the Lord did and brought out into the wilderness. And God there at Mount Sinai gives them his perfect law. He begins to establish this relationship uh, with them through sacrificial worship, through the sacrifice system, as he begins to implant in their hearts and, and implant in their minds the idea that there has to be a propitiation for sin. There has to be an atonement. God is beginning to work in the lives of men in this sense and beginning to help them to understand that we are separated from him, that our relationship with him is broken, not because of physical circumstances, not because of uh, earthly circumstances, but because each one of us in our hearts are separated from him because of sin. And sin has to be atoned for. There has to be a sacrifice made. And this goes all the way back again to the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve fell. And the Bible says that God clothed them in the skins of animals. And in order to do that, of course, an animal's blood had to be, had to be shed. 
Uh, and so God is now beginning to really work amongst his people in this sense and teaching them these things. And ultimately, all of this points forward. All of this point points forward to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at Calvary. All of it is always pointing towards Jesus. Everything that we read, we read here, some of that we understand very well, <clears throat> and some of the things that are still mysterious to us and that we don't fully understand, but all of it points to Jesus Christ and to the sacrifice that he was going to ultimately make for each one of us. So God establishes his covenant through Moses, through the commandments that he gives the children of Israel, and he tells them that if you do these things, you will live. If you have a relationship with me, if you keep the covenant with me, and you do all of the things that I've commanded you to do, then I will be with you. I'll be your God, and you will be my people. And he gives them that, and from there they move on towards the promised land. And almost right away, within the nation of Israel and within his people, there begins to be the grumbling. There begins to be the complaining. There begins to be this, this uh, evaporation of their faith. As soon as times get difficult, as soon as trials arise, as soon as the, the, the path forward seems hopeless to them, they begin to doubt God. They begin to doubt God's entire plan. I think that this is very, very um, relevant to exactly what we're going through today in the United States of America and around the world. Where is our trust? And in whom do we hope? You know, is our hope in our government? Is our hope in our own health? Is our, is our hope in this life? Where does our hope lie? Where is our hope? What is it that we exactly believe? Is our citizenship here on planet earth or is our citizenship in heaven? How real are the things of the spirit to you versus the things of the flesh? Well, we live in the flesh. We, we live in these biomechanical suits, right? And we go through the world and this is our reality for now. And so it's very, very easy to become entangled and become completely enveloped in all things pertaining to the flesh. But the scripture teaches us very clearly that all the things that pertain to flesh do not draw us closer to the Lord. It's walking in the light, it's walking in the spirit and in the things of God that draw us closer to him. And that comes through faith and believing in the Lord and that the plan that he has made for our lives, for each one of our lives individually... He's going to bring it to fulfillment. Whatever the case may be, whatever it is, we can trust in our God. Uh, and so <clears throat> the culmination of the people's grumbling and their lack of faith comes at the point in which they come to the promised land. They come to the border of the promised land. And God had told them to come in and take it. Well, they send spies in to spy out the land, to see what's there, to see what's happening, to see what the obstacles may be. And the spies, of course, come back. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, hey, this is a land truly flowing with milk and honey. This is truly a promised land. This is truly a place that God promised us. It's got everything that we could ever need everything that we could ever need. They don't mention the obstacles. They don't mention the difficulties. They don't even think about those things. Joshua and Caleb are completely fixed and focused on the fact that God has promised us this land. All of the obstacles and all the difficulties are irrelevant to Joshua and Caleb. They don't even bring them up. But the other 10 spies, that's all they see. Yes, yes, it's flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it's got everything that we need. It's, it does. It's great. It's got all that stuff. But... But there's giants in the land. They have walls that reach to the heavens. 
There's no way that we can go in there. It's impossible. It's impossible that we would be able to go in and take this land. It doesn't make any kind of earthly sense whatsoever that we would even put ourselves in the situation of attempting to go in and take this land. And this is the exact same people who saw God perform miracles in Egypt, who watched as God rained down hail mingled with fire as he turned the waters into blood, as he sent various creatures amongst the Egyptians to, to absolutely destroy their uh, uh, agrarian economy. And then finally through the Passover and the killing of the firstborn to see them brought out, God brought them through the Red Sea. They've seen miracle after miracle, water from the rock, uh, manna come down from heaven. And now they get to the promised land and at the first sign of trouble, it's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, And so, of course, at the end of chapter 14, uh, we have the Lord dealing with their unbelief. Uh, the Lord saying that, indeed, you will not enter into the promised land, uh, but your children, whom you said would be destroyed by the inhabitants of the land, they are going to enter in. And then, of course, uh, after the people refuse to believe and, are, and, and face God's discipline for that, then they immediately turn around and say, okay, we're sorry that we said all that. We're sorry that we didn't have any belief. We're going to go in and we're going to take the land. And, and so we have right after the sin of unbelief, we have the sin of presumption as they presume to go in then, after they had not believed and God said, okay, now you're not going to go in. And then they presume the very next day to say, all right, we change our mind. <laughs> we're going to go in and we're going to take the land. And of course, Moses tells the people, God's not going to be with you. You need to start obeying the voice of God in your life. You know, God had given you a promise. God had said that this was the thing that he wanted for your life, that this was his perfect plan for your life. And we've all been here at some point in time in some aspect in some various way in our life. You know, oftentimes I'll sit around and I'll think to myself, I wonder what my life would look like if I had always done things the right way. Well, from my perspective, I have no idea what God may have done or what might have been. All I know is where I am now. And it's an amazing, wonderful thing, the way God works. Because when I finally, at the age of, what is it, 23 or 24, said to myself, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need you, God, in my life every single day. I do want to serve you. I do want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to work for you and not for myself. And then I watched God begin to change my life as he brought me my wife, And now, of course, the family and the ministry, the simple life that I have, I wouldn't trade it for all for all the gold in the in the world. There's nothing that I would trade it for. And so you then you play that little mental game. Well, geez, was it God's will that I'd be such a screw up? Was it God's will? All I know is all I know is this. If you obey God, if you do the things that God has called you to do, if you believe the word that God speaks into your life through the scriptures, through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, he's going to honor that. If you're obedient to God's word, he is going to honor that. And whatever point in your life you decide, I've had enough of doing things my own way. I've had enough of going my own way and doing everything my own way. And I'm riddled with, with, with guilt or I'm riddled with fear or I'm, I'm riddled with this or that thing. And I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not content. Uh, deep inside, I can put on a happy face as people often do, whether it's on Facebook, social media, or when they come to church or when they go to work and everyone can put on a happy face. That's why we jokingly call it fake book, right? Because we present to people the lives, our lives as we want people to see it. 
not as it truly is oftentimes. Uh, and so you get to that point in your life, and if you're there in your life and you're saying to yourself, I don't want to do this by myself anymore, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. If you're already a born-again Christian, then today is the day to get back up from whatever sloth of despond that you've been in and decide from this day forward, I'm going to follow and do the things God has called me to do. I'm going to listen to God's voice. I'm going to do the right things. And God will bless you. And God will keep you. Well, the people don't believe, and so God says, okay, now you're not going to go into the promised land. God formulates another plan. You're going to wander in the desert, and I'm going to work in your kids' lives through that, and then I'm going to bring them into the promised land. Well, then they rebel against that through the sin of presumption. No, no, we change our mind. We feel terrible. We're going to go up. Moses says, God's not with you. The Ark of the Covenant isn't going to go with you. You're going on your own, and they do. They go on their own, and within hours... They're driven back out by the inhabitants of the land. So now, now that's where we pick up in chapter 15, okay? We pick up in chapter 15, and it's, it's beautiful to me how God is now past that, and he's moving right to the next thing. I, I love it. God is the God of today. When it comes to our lives, when it comes to God working in our lives, God is the God of today. Your relationship with God, my relationship with God is about today. What did Jesus say about tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Let God worry about those things. You worry about what you're supposed to do today. Today, okay? So God, in chapter 15, he's past it all now, okay? They rebelled through unbelief. God dealt with it. Then they rebelled through the sin of presumption. God dealt with it. Chapter 15 He's passed and he's on to the next thing. And here's what he says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, listen to this. When you have come into the land, you are to inhabit, which I am giving you. Now, who's he talking to? Because he just told this entire generation, they're not going into the promised land. Their children are going to go into the promised land. Everyone under the age of 20, 21 is going to be going into the promised land. Not this generation. So who's he speaking with? Well, most people say he's speaking to the children. He's speaking to the young people. I think he's speaking to both. I think he's still speaking to both. And even though the generation that didn't believe is not going to go into the promised land, I think God is still speaking to them because it's not just about you, right? This is about your children. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about the will of God. And you're still a part of that whether or not you enter into the promised land is what he's telling them. This is about your children now. I think he's speaking to all of them. And he says this. When you've come into the land and you are, to, you, are inhabit, you are to inhabit which I am giving you, and you make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering or a sacrifice, to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering or in your appointed feasts, to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or the flock. Pastor Chuck used to say, God loves the smell of barbecued meat. Yeah, because he says, a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd of the flock. Then he who presents his offering to the Lord, verse 4, shall bring a grain offering of one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil. And one-fourth of a hin of wine as a drink offering you shall prepare with the burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb. Or for a ram... You shall prepare as a grain offering two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-third of a hin of oil, 
And as a drink offering, you shall offer one-third of the hand of wine as a sweet aroma to the Lord. And when you prepare a young bull as a burnt offering or as a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the Lord, then shall be offered with the young bull a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with half a hin of oil. And you shall bring as the drink offering half a hin of wine as an offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thus it shall be done for each young bull, for each ram, or for each lamb, or young goat. According to the number that you prepare, so you shall do with everyone according to their number. Now this is interesting to me because God is specifically talking about this peace offering, this fellowship offering. And you notice what's in, what it entails. It's this offering that the worshiper brings to the house of God, and he's sharing it between him, the worshiper, the priest, and God. And we have the meat of the sacrifice, we have the flour, the bread of the sacrifice with the oil, and then we have the wine of the sacrifice. And immediately in my mind when I'm reading this, it brings me to communion. It brings me to the Lord's table when we have communion here at church. And we talk about what the Lord's table represents. This is God's body. Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. And he passed the bread. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you. And he passed that to his disciples. And they shared the Passover meal together in a brand new way that now we call the Lord's Supper. And literally it was Jesus sharing a meal with his disciples. And then he commanded that that be passed on down through the generations so that when we share in communion together, when we take part in that table together, and we all sit here communally or wherever we're going to be, I don't know how we're going to do that this month if we're not here in church, but however that takes place, what God is saying is, is my spirit desires to have fellowship with you. And I don't know about you, but there's no kind of fellowship sweeter to me than sitting around a table. That is the best kind of fellowship. It is my favorite thing to do in my house is to sit around in, in our house. In our case, we get the little island in the kitchen and we stand around and sit around the island. Me and Nikki and the kids, we all sit there and we laugh and we talk and we joke and we make fun of each other and we have an absolute blast usually while we're stuffing our faces. It is an absolute beautiful time of fellowship. After church today, we're going to go to mom and dad's house. They're going to scan us and screen us, and then they're going to let us in maybe, and we're going to have a meal together. Uh, we're all on the same campus together, so we're, we're all quarantined here together. We're going to have a meal together because there's fellowship in that. There's a, beautiful, uh, there's a beautiful thing that takes place when you break bread together. God literally through his spirit, and through these sacrifices. There's a dual thing happening here. There's an atonement that's being made. There's a sacrifice that's being offered. At the same time, it's fellowship. It's fellowship that God wants. The sacrifice is a necessary way by which we might have fellowship with God. Fellowship with God is broken through sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. We all like sheep have turned away. Each of us has turned to his own way and God has laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Sacrifice is the avenue by which we are brought back into fellowship with Almighty God. Again, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, that's why God shed the blood of an animal and clothed them with animal skins. That was part of the process of him showing them, this is what has to happen now, guys, for you to continue to have any kind of fellowship with me. There has to be a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice that is made. 
And then after the sacrifice is made, the blood sacrifice for the atonements of sin, then comes the peace offering and the fellowship offering. Notice the name, the fellowship offering and the peace offering. God's saying, I want to have peace with you and I want to have fellowship with you. Now for us, for, for us who are Christians, post-Jesus Christ sacrifice, all of this has been accomplished through Christ. All of these sacrifices, all of these things that we're reading about in the Old Testament are a foreshadowing of that which was to come, which is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? So that we could have peace and fellowship with Almighty God. And that's what he wants. You know, this is God saying, we're past all of the rebellion. We're, we're done talking about that rebellion for now. What we're going to deal with now is when you come into the promised land, when you come into the place that I promised you, that I promised your forefathers, and you offer up these sacrifices, this is exactly how I want you to offer it up. This is exactly how I want it to be done so that I can have fellowship with you. Let's break bread. Let's have a meal together. Well, why is it exactly a half of a hen and a third of a, a, third of a hen and an a ephah of... What, 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 why is the exact measurements? Why is it so specific? God is very specific. God is very specific, and that's one of the things we talk about all the time. He is very specific in his instructions to us through the word. There are a lot of areas that we have freedom in. There are a lot of areas that we can be uh, completely governed by the Holy Spirit as he ministers to our conscience. And for one, for one person, a certain thing is, is, is okay, and for another person it's not. But for the bulk of Scripture, for the main things that pertain to life and godliness, okay, the main tenets of Scripture, it is very specific. And God doesn't compromise those things, and God doesn't change his mind on those things. They're specific, and they're forever. And he expects us to be obedient to his word. He expects us to be obedient to his word. We can't, as Christians, be disobedient to the word of God, be disobedient to what God has specifically told us, and then expect him to bless our lives. It just simply doesn't work that way, and it never will. He is a loving God, but he is a just and a true God. The Bible says that he honors his word above his name. That's an amazing statement to make. That's an amazing statement to make. And you combine that with the Gospel of John where it says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh. And it's putting Jesus Christ and his work in a, in a, in a state of oneness with the word of God. Not the papers, not the ink, not the leather, not the binding, but the message that is contained in here. And God's reaching out to mankind from the beginning in creation all the way to this day, this supernatural way in which God has chosen to speak to us is divine. The message is divine. And God expects us to obey it. We can't live outside of what the Bible teaches us and expect God's blessing in our life. He still loves you. He still has a plan for your life. He's not going to cast you off. That's one of the greatest things is reading through the Old Testament and all of the rebellions of the children of Israel time after time after time. God is never finished with them. Never. It blows my mind when I hear theologians or certain people talk about God is done with the Jewish people. God is, God is done with them. He's finished with them. That God will never be finished with you. God will never be finished with you. When he has a relationship with you, the Bible says, I will in no wise cast you out. And he told the children of Israel, as long as the sun set dry, rises in the east and sets in the west, my covenant with Jacob will stand. I mean, it's a, Pastor Chuck used to say, did the sun rise in the east this morning? 
Is it going to set in the West? Yeah, then this covenant with Jacob still stands. He will never be done with the children of Israel. And he's never going to be done with you. See, that's the beautiful part of looking to the children of Israel, looking to the Jewish people back in the Holy Land today, another supernatural event, but looking to them and seeing God is not done with those people. God will never allow those people to be destroyed or utterly cast out. For those of us who are Christians, we look at that and we say, that's good news for me. Because when I'm a jerk and I'm an idiot and I fly off the rails and off into the weeds and I get off in the muck and I get my tires are spinning because I'm walking according to the flesh, I'm walking according to my will and not the word of God and I find myself languishing in there, I can immediately stop, recognize it, see where I'm at, look to the cross, look to Jesus Christ, get back up, get back on the path, get back into the light and immediately be accepted and received of God. That's good news. That's just the best kind of news I know how to tell you. And that's the way God works. So he's passed all this. When you come into the land and you're doing the things the way I want you to do them, and I want you to do them exactly the way I'm telling you to do them so that you can have fellowship with me, so that we can have fellowship together. And this is the way I want it to look. And I love it. A sweet aroma to the Lord. As that child, as that person, as that Israelite, was standing there with the priest offering a sacrifice and the smoke is going to heaven and you've got the meat and you've got the bread and you've got the wine. It's a meal. And the aroma of that going to heaven, there's a fellowship that's happening there. I can only imagine what that must have felt like. But there's a fellowship that happens there. Now, verse 13, God says this through Moses to the children of Israel. All who are native born shall do these things in this manner, in presenting an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. All who are native born, all Jews, all Israelites, all children of Abraham, they have to do it exactly this way, or they are to do it exactly this way in this manner. Verse 14, and if a stranger dwells with you, or whoever is among you throughout your generations... And would present an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord, just as you do, so shall he do. You understand what God is saying here? He's saying not just for you Jews, but for any Gentile who wants to become a Jew, any Gentile who wants to come into this covenant with me, just as you have through lineage, the Gentile can do this as well. But here's what God is saying. One ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you. An ordinance forever throughout your generations. As you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you. This is God's word. And this is what God is saying. I don't change. Circumstances change. Times change. People change. Governments change. Many things change. God doesn't change. And in the same way that I'm offering relationship and fellowship with you, and in the same way that I'm commanding that it must happen, is for you and for everybody else as well. 
It's not going to change. It's not going to vary. There's not going to come a time when to say, well, you know, for this guy, he doesn't have to do all that. You know what? She doesn't have to quite follow the... Everybody is exactly the same before the Lord. God expects the same things from each of his children, no matter where they live, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation is. God expects the same exact things, and he wants to have the same exact fellowship. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter what denomination you're affiliated with. The same rules apply to everyone across the board. That's why we study the scriptures. That's why we study the scriptures. That's why it's so important. That's why we make this the focus and the goal and the aim of this ministry, to only study the scriptures, because in this is found life and godliness. In here is found all of the instruction that we need to follow after God. And God speaks to us through his word. When we're going through these verses and we're reading it, hopefully the Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart and saying, Hey, you know what he's talking about. Hey, this is for you. Hey, that's for you. Hey, you need to start doing this. Hey, hopefully you're feeling that conviction. Hopefully you're feeling that tug of the Holy Spirit in your heart when you read the scriptures. That's what God wants for each one of us. It's the same for everybody. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land to which I bring you, then it will be when you eat of the bread of the land that you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord. You shall offer up a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering. As a heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall you offer it up. Of the first of your ground meal, you shall give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generations. And what is God saying here to the children of Israel through Moses is that when you come into the promised land and you begin to reap the harvest, the blessings that are going to go along with you being where I've called you to be and doing the things that I've called you to do, and you begin to reap the harvest from that, you begin to reap the blessings and the benefits from that, then I want you to share that with me as well. That's what a heave offering it is, is literally taking the sacrifice and presenting it and lifting it up before the Lord. This is all because of you. This is all about you, God, and what you've done and what you've promised and what you've accomplished. It's not just the obedience to get to that point. It's not just being where God has called us to to be and doing what God has called us to do. When we do that and we walk in the light and God begins to bless your life, hold that up before the Lord every single day. I was telling my daughter this morning, I can't wait till it gets warmer out because my favorite thing, one of my favorite things throughout the entire week is Sunday mornings before anybody else in the house is up and I get up before the sun rises and I go out on the patio with my cup of coffee and my Bible and watch the sun come up with the Lord. It is, the, it is my absolute favorite, most favorite part of the week and my most favorite part of the year. I can't wait till it get warm, gets warm out because I love to do that. Because here's what's happening. In my heart, there's a heave offering taking place. Because I sit on that little patio and I watch the sun coming up and I'm drinking my coffee and I'm looking at the church and I'm seeing mom and dad's house and looking at the land where God has brought us and where God has put us. And I'm thinking to myself over and over again, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every single blessing in my life is because of him. Every good thing in my life is because of him. And I want to give it all back to him. 
It all belongs to him. It's all because of him. And I want to acknowledge that in my life every single day. I think that's exactly what this heave offering represents. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. I pray that you would equip us and strengthen us, Lord, to follow along the path that you laid out for us, to walk in the light, Lord, as you were in the light, that we could have fellowship one with another, Lord. We're so grateful and we're thankful, Father, for uh, the blessings that you have already given us, Father, and the promises that you've made for those of us who would be willing to follow after you, to be obedient to your word, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that as we... um, step out in faith to be more obedient to you in one way or another, Lord God, that we would see you move in our lives, Lord. As we take a step towards you, we pray, Father, that you would take a step towards us, Lord, and that we would feel that in our hearts and it would encourage us to draw closer and closer to you, Father. We again pray for um, protection and covering, Lord, for everyone in the midst of this uh, pandemic that's going on, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would heal those who are sick, We pray for protection of those who have not yet become sick, Lord. Uh, Lord, and we pray and ask that through this time that you would draw us closer to you, that you would use this thing in our lives, Lord, to get our attention and focus back to where it ought to be, which is on you, on the things of you, Lord, and that we would begin to make decisions in our heart. We're going to walk after the things of the Spirit and not after the things of the flesh. We're going to put our focus where it needs to be. We're going to be obedient to what the Word teaches us, Lord, and what the Lord tells us to do because it truly is all about you, Father. We ask and pray that your will would be accomplished in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.